Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. All right. Hello, Australia. Welcome to My Millennial Money. I'm Glenn James and you are... John Pigeon. And we are coming live from the nation's capital. We are. It's a pleasure. And we've got a room full of public servants and two other random people. Yeah, so, there's, a, there's a plumber here. There's right? a plumber here. We are back. We're mid-tour and we've just completed the Canberra leg. John, what did you think? Wasn't as cold as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Quite mild, 12 degrees. Yeah. A lot of fun. A lot of public servants enjoyed working, uh, well, chatting to them before the episode and or before the show, but yeah, it was good fun. What yeah. about you? Yeah, I loved it and uh, it's just really good. Like, it's funny, as our podcast grows, mm. like the first events that we did years ago, yeah. you know, we were packing up chairs, we were setting up chairs, yeah. people were arriving and I'm just like still sweating to death and packing... Yeah like unpacking things Threatening. and mm. to be able to have an event that we can just literally have a good venue have um good food and a good sound system and lights mm. and all that stuff yeah it just makes it a better event for people to come it was good to see a few people bringing partners that knew nothing about us yeah right? that was yeah. cool um it's like oh yeah i'll come along for an evening and that's why like we both have a name tag on because mm. you know some of the team members were like oh why do you bother with a name tag i'm yeah. like well you know the hardcore of you that listen to the show you'll bring your partner along mm. or your friend who's got yeah. no idea yeah and I'll introduce myself often and sometimes yeah. I think, well, what do you do? And I say, well, I'm, I'm that guy on the photo over there. Yeah. So, it's um, yeah. it's just a really good atmosphere. Yeah. And and a couple of uh, older people, no no disrespect, but um, yeah, someone had their mum there. Like, that's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. And I've, I do want to talk about that before we get into the episode, but to make these events really amazing and so I don't have to, you know, sweat my ass off and you know, focus on setting up, I can now talk to you mm. at the events. Open Trader and Bricklet. So, John, if you want to be on the property ladder sooner and you haven't heard about Bricklets, then now is the time. Smaller pieces of property are now a reality. So, from around $20,000, $25,000, you can invest into direct property. It will be on your tax return. Bricklet have a whole system and you can head to bricklet.com.au for more info. Open Trader is Australia's most competitive self-directed retail trading platform. For professional traders and those who want to invest like a pro from only $5, you can head to opentrader.com.au for more information. John, you mentioned the mother and daughter, Maddie and Jenny, who were at the event. Mm. Uh, I thought it was particularly inspiring that Maddie, you know, 21-year-old, bought her own house. Her mum was interested in personal finance and was really inspired by what Maddie had done and because, you know, Jenny's still actively in the workforce and will be for some time. Mm. 
it just goes to show that whatever age you're at or whatever stage, you can be encouraged by people older or younger than you. Yeah, totally. It, it, it's great, as you said, that for the mum to gain inspiration from the daughter, usually yeah. it's the other way around. And yeah. You do see a bit of that happening, which is awesome. Yeah, so thank you for coming along, Jetty and Maddie. And now we'll hand it over to Maz, one of the M3 attendees, who volunteered to read the acknowledgement. We acknowledge the Ngunnawal people, the traditional custodians of the land on which we stand and pay respects to their elders past, present and future. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here with us tonight. And first up, we've got a question from Daniel. Do you want to just read that there for us, Daniel? Once a healthy emergency fund has been placed, is it wiser to pay down the mortgage or use surplus money to invest? Awesome. John? Yeah. So, we've got our foundations in place, cashed up emergency fund. Mm. Like, what do we do? Do we attack the mortgage or do we take that money shopping elsewhere? Yeah, it's a really good question, Daniel. Thanks for asking that. Um, Look, it... It really depends on if I've got equity in that home, I'd be pulling that equity out and using that for the investment and the cash is paying down my mortgage. Now, if you haven't got equity, then you've got to pay down the mortgage, I think, to be able to, again, give yourself the ability to go and buy an investment property. Um, and and property is a patient game. So, you're 28, 33, 33? Yeah, so you've got 30 years ahead of you to, to go and invest with. So if it can't happen in 12 months, it might happen in 18 months, two years, that's fine. But yeah, paying down the mortgage is, is pretty critical. But don't take 15 years to pay it down and then decide to invest. I'll share what I do, but I'd also say it's a personal goals, values play. I don't think you can wreck anything if you basically do three things with your money. Give some, save some, spend some. So for me, I give away money to charity. I spend some and enjoy life and I save some for short term and long term. So I think if you have that mantra that I need to be strategic, I need to keep out of consumer debt, I've got my emergency fund and I'll make a number up. Like everyone in the room here in Canberra, uh, good incomes generally in Canberra. If we'll make a number, if we randomly had a spare ten or $20,000 a year, so you've got your emergency fund, all that, you might say, I don't heaps know what I want to do. I might put half of it into the mortgage and half into the future. Or as long as you're intentional, our goal is to smash that mortgage. Then once that's smashed, then we are absolutely the mortgage repayment and our leftover money, we're going hardcore investing for the future. Me personally, my properties are on principal and interest because for me, if the cash flows in my life, the money grows legs and I spend it. So I don't mind paying down my mortgage with the principal, but me personally, I would rather do other investing and particularly invest into my own business. And then if you look at the actual numbers, interest rate 2%, you might, you know, a diversified portfolio long-term, you know, the Vanguard uh, growth fund over the last... 20 years has done 8% a year. So a portfolio that's good with a long-term track record and good management and all that usually will do what's on the box. The problem is people get their freaking mitts on it and try and get cute and change their money strategy and end up 15 years down the track with a mortgage and no money. 
So I think it's a personal value play. But also, if you're at the point where you've got a decent income, your emergency fund is set, you're probably a prime candidate to get some financial advice or at least pay and have a goal session with an advisor. And the figure is is critical as well. So what's your deposit goal for that next investment property? For me, it was used to be 50 grand because property was a bit cheaper back then. So if you've got 10 grand sitting around, how long is it going to take you to get to the deposit goal that you're after? Um, and then you can always reverse it and, and pay it down and draw it back out if, you, if your salary is consistent. I'll just move that blinker. You might not want to buy an investment property. Oh, why wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll give you a, an example. I had clients uh, in my financial planning practice, both school teachers, uh, all they did was salary sacrifice into super for the long term. So if you did nothing else but salary sacrifice, lived on less than you earned, pumped your super, paid down the mortgage, you know, be it as it may, picked up on the tax saving and sales sacrifice, put that money into super fund growing uh, in a tax effective environment of 15%, get to age 60, they've got over a million dollars in their super. So it doesn't need to be a sexy time to have an investment strategy. But again, I would suggest getting advice. Mm. You're right. I actually read that as money to invest in property. (laughs) Sorry Sorry to everyone's listening. I'm I'm not that much of a property nerd, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Let's ask Maddie and Jenny to come up. I want Maddie and Jenny to come up to the the stage. Give them a hand, everybody. We've got a mum and daughter. M&D. This is a good story too. So here's your question, Jenny. Okay, so do you have any tips for getting my husband on board with future investments? I don't necessarily have any tips to get someone on board to the, to, to the page that you're on because that's trying to convince someone to do something that they might not want to do. So I think it's encouraged. I think it's bringing them along for the journey and slowly... Uh, well, I, I suppose from your, from his point of view, why are you doing it? Why are you doing something? And showing him or s- sitting him down, sit, sit down, husband, right? Uh, down. <laughs> down. I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing this because of X, Y, Z, uh, and I'm, I just want your support. That's all, and your encouragement. That's all I'm after. Um, that, that's my marriage counselling for the session. And and that's exactly what I've done. Yeah. So (laughs) So I've outlined what I want to do, what my goal is for him and I in retirement. Yeah. So it's it's now... not quite there yet. So it's now your problem, not his. Yeah. Yes. You're the one that's trying to get him on board. Absolutely. He's he's supporting you, so he's doing everything he can. He's a good boy. (laughs) Can I ask a question about this situation, uh, about... Maddie, you, I assume it's your father that. Yes, yeah. I'll get Jenny to have a seat because we'll talk about. So give her a hand, everyone. Well done, Jenny. So who rules the roost at home, mum or dad? Mum. Okay. <laughs> we're getting somewhere now. <laughs> so, and I say all this with love and because we're making entertainment. So Jenny talked about the future. She said what I want to do. She said the I word. I think, uh, and. 
disclosure, I, I'm not married, so I've got no idea. But if um, your parents were a, a couple that came into my office and I was the financial advisor, I would actually really want to say, Jenny, back off for two seconds. What's your husband's name? Ian. Ian, Ian what do you want retirement to look like? What do you want? Because I think if we, even if you ask Ian, and how old's Ian? 63. Yeah, so he's had it. He's about, <laughs> like, you know, in terms of working. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have upgraded by then. Yeah, that's right. So, I, I would be like, um, and this is so funny because I've got no idea about the situation. I'm just trying to, you know, kick this can down the road. I would be like, Ian, like, what do you want our future to look like? And you usually with uh, some partners, no, they just don't care. But others, maybe they've not had a chance to say, I'd really want this. And I don't know where I'm going with this, but I think if we go back to, you know, financial planning 101 goals, we both have to agree okay, we want your life to look like this. Well, we need to actually put a plan in place so it does look like this. So I can't really help you, but I think it needs to become from I say we're doing this to little mm-hmm. powwow, Ian, put the book down or whatever. Is he a reader? No, whatever he does. Yeah. So he's going like put the shovel down. <laughs> <laughs> put the roundup down, you're killing me and you're killing yourself <laughs> and we need to chat. Mm. And, and I think it's just like, uh, what do you want to do? And because this is really important to me and because I think it will benefit us and there could be some trade-offs like, I don't know. Anyway, does that make sense? Yeah, I agree. Yep. Yeah. Well okay. Done. Do you have an impact on that conversation, Maddie? Or? Um. Maybe since mum's seen me um, buy my first investment property and see myself want to set up my future, she's kind of inspired to do the same because she hasn't had the opportunity yet. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's funny, Jenny, like for me, this whole money thing, it doesn't even need to be about money. Like pick any random hobby, pick cycling. John probably could never get Amy on the same page. Like, you'd be so pissed off that Amy's not into cycling. So, there's no point trying to convince her to join your cycling crusade. Mm. You know what I mean? So, I think yeah. it's... Well, I do it as an outlet. Yeah, right. Yeah, really. Yeah. But no, you're right. Like, <laughs> when before we had kids, don't want to go too deep here, but we went away to Melbourne for a weekend, just Amy and I, right? Sorry, Amy, you'll never listen to this podcast anyway. Um <laughs> And I said, oh, I wouldn't mind doing some dreamlining. Um, so I had the butcher's paper and a texter and, and I could see that 10 minutes into this, like she was like, I want to go shopping, I want to go to restaurants. So we threw that in the bin and I knew never to do that stuff again with her. So you might be getting that same feeling. It's like, well, you, you can't flog a dead horse. So he just happy along, going along with life. So leave him do that. Yeah. yeah. And if he wants something for the garden, give it to him, make him happy. Okay, Maddie, you've got a cool question here. Do you want to read that? I just bought my first property on my own, but could see myself living with my partner in the near future. Are there any implications to only me owning it in the future? Cool. So, number one, 21 years old, first property. Mm. Let's give her a hand. Um, 
Tell us how hard was it to get your first property? Incredibly hard because it was only a few months ago and everybody knows what the market's like at the moment. I really felt defeated, but everyone kept saying that it'll happen if it's meant to happen and it did and something did just fall into my lap. So I was really lucky. Awesome. Awesome. That's awesome. John, I'll give you this one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we own a property in our own name, 100% ownership and we're looking towards the second property which will be essentially a joint venture with our partner and that property to live in. So we'd be going 50-50 with them and hopefully we're bringing 50% deposit each to the party. Um, If not, you work it all out. Uh, So what's the complication? Well, Maddie wants to know if there's future ramifications, if she moves into it with her partner to live in, like a de facto relationship. Into the first property. In any, yeah, right. in any assets that she owns on her own. Okay. So let's cut to the lawyer. Where's the lawyer in the room? <laughs> <laughs> any property lawyers? Um, I suppose the, the first thing I would say is you've you've got a you've got a you've got documentation of when you bought the property and it was yours and, and it's your asset. So forever and a day it's your asset. Right. It's a really it's a grey area as to, well, if you both move into that property and, and live in it for a period of time and then in 20 years' time you sell it, that two years prior where you just owned it on it on its own, it, it's, it's hard to say which way it's going to go in terms of uh, how do I s- split that up in the event of a divorce. That's what you think, isn't it? Is this worst-case scenario, what, what happens to this property? So I think it's documenting and it's maybe talking to your partner if that's a a concern to say well coming into this relationship you bring your dog and your cat I bring a house right and and you you have that frank conversation and I know people that have um, got um, uh, prenuptials written up and that's uh, one way to go with it but look at the end of the day if if both of you are living in that property for so long it's, it's going to be hard to split, isn't it? Yeah, and I think just from my point of view, you would have that discussion. Like if it's really a concern, um, it's so hard to talk about relationships and money because they're so intertwined. But I think number one, before you do move in together and all that, you'd have a bit of a strike rate of like I'm not 50-50 about this, like I'm not just going to walk into it. So you want to make sure that in your own constitution that you're comfortable to move in with someone and all that. But I think in terms of the asset, is there any lawyers in the room? <laughs> I know there is one, but I'm just being facetious. Um, I What I've been told about uh, the binding financial agreements, which is the prenup, quote unquote, they're bloody hard to enforce. Um, so I would say, and that's just what I've been told, not a lawyer, but I would probably say if it, you do move in together and then it is going to be a long-term thing and we both want to commit together, maybe it is like, hey, let's make this fair. I'll put you on half the title. You can buy half of it off me or something like that. I don't know. Uh, I would just say get your own legal advice around the structure of the asset. Um, do you think, and you just nod, like is he a hard worker, go-getter? Yeah, so if he's got his head screwed on, like he's going to generate his own income and have his own assets as well. 
because he might be thinking, oh, what do I do if I've got some assets? So uh, you're young, take your time, um, don't put up with crap, um, piss him off if he's, you know, all that stuff um, because you don't have time to mess around with, I don't know why I'm going there. <laughs> yeah, no, it, 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 that does raise a good point. Like from his side of things, he comes into a relationship and and you get married and you live in that home that you bought but then he starts paying it down with you, right? So in his mind... He's helping pay off this asset. Yes, he didn't put the deposit in, but yeah, it's a tough one. Like I come from the farm where we just handshake and say what's yours is mine and what's mine's yours and we'll work it out later. It's a bit of a different but, world now, isn't but it? This is where I'm like genuinely perplexed and I know life's grey, it's not black and white, like genuinely perplexed. There's something weird about money that I will move in with someone, um, we'll share everything even bodily fluid, children, like we will share everything, but you're not having my money. Yeah. So to me, it's like, what's the point? Now, there's a girl in the room, Laura, who did an episode with me last time I was in Canberra and she made a really good point about the emergency fund. So maybe for the escape money, because it's a genuine concern, maybe if there was an emergency fund of ten dollars or $20,000, you legitimately have half each in bank accounts that are your name only. So just so you've got that comfort. So if things do go down, you've got your own emergency escape money. So I think it's just about being wise. I know as society goes on, there was a survey this week how uh, there's more millennials not sharing their money with each other, where for me, and it's just my personality, if I'm all in with you anyway, baby, let's, you know, whatever's good. Uh, 110%. But it's not for everybody. But... Yeah, it's, it's again, what's with all these questions beyond the scope of us? <laughs> yeah, the two win ladies I shouldn't have <laughs> invited. Yeah. Um, Lucy Kelly. Oh, come on down. Yeah, Lucy. Give her a hand. Yeah. So I'll get you to read this one here. There is a lot of noise at the moment about crypto. Do you think it will replace the current financial system? If so, how can we best prepare? If not, what is everyone investing in? Well, lucky we've got a cryptologist here. Oof. And thanks, Lucy. Way <laughs> above my pay grade. Don't even look at me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so my view on crypto is the way that the ATO tax it is if you use it as an investment and it goes up, we will tax it like any growth asset. If you say to them, no, I use it because I use it to transact on and you genuinely buy pizza and all that with it, they will not tax it with CGT. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, that's why I've got Hannah. She's really intelligent. Follows around the, the country. So the ATO have kind of got their foot in both camps and it's an interesting thing. Vanguard came out a couple of weeks ago and said, we're not going into the race of having one of Australia's first crypto-backed uh, exchange-traded funds. They just said it's just as, you know, it's a like a baseball card, basically. People will buy it because FOMO and all that. Where the Morrison government, Senator uh, Jane Hume came out at a speech a couple of weeks ago and said, it's an asset class. So there's all this mixed noise out there at the moment because it is so new. You might say, no, Glenn, it's been around since 2013. But if we compare it to money back in Rome in the year one, 
it's quite new. So that that's a good question, though, and I, I don't know the answer, but you may have. Uh, do you think it will replace the current financial system, meaning at the moment we get a $10 note? Mm. So the premise of uh, cryptocurrency, namely Bitcoin, was if John, you want to, if I'm selling seashells by the seashore, if you wanted to buy some of my merchandise with your card, you would walk up to my terminal, press tap, and then in the background, the $10 would go to one bank, to my bank, and then I'll get it. So there's a, you know, a middle transactional hub. So the way that it was invented was to remove that third party bank and the blockchain, which is a public ledger, would verify that, yes, John sent me $10 and I have that $10. So my thing is thinking with crypto, uh, it is so new and there are thousands and thousands and thousands of coins and people, I think, make them like the Dogecoin or, you know, just because it's fun and want that FOMO and all that. A couple of things, until the government allow uh, Bitcoin or crypto, to settle a government debt, is it worth anything? I don't know. It's too new to know. Um, I hold Bitcoin myself. That's not a recommendation to anyone. I would really keep your allocation to the crypto stuff at under 2% of your net worth because we all hear the stories of, oh, I, I put in $200 you know, 12 years ago and now I've got a billion dollars. It just, it doesn't happen. There's so many more stories of people doing their ass that you'd never heard of. So the problem is with risky asset classes or whatever you want to call it, don't put all your money in it because you'll lose it all if it goes sour. But at least if you did want to you know, put your toe in and have an allocation to it, uh, if it does go all right, you will make some money out of it. So I think it's too early to tell. Does anyone hold cryptocurrency here? Yeah, just a cool. quick, why, what's your rationale? I put in a very small amount and I just wanted to see what happened. Yeah. Intrigue. All right. Who else holds crypto? Uh, William, why did you buy it? Uh, the technology behind it. Yeah. And I, I didn't mention that before. I think the uh, blockchain technology will change everything and I'm really excited for that. And I think the blockchain technology is here to stay, but it's just what coin the society um, decides is probably the one that will, I don't know, whatever. Uh, who else has, yeah. Sorry, one sec. Liam. <laughs> Just. I think it's the greatest investing opportunity of a lifetime and I think it's silly not to put money in. Yeah, right. Yep. And you have some yourself because you put your hand up. Yep, sweet. Um, so you'll just want it because I want to get in, make some money. Well, I think if there's a 10% chance of 100% of your money, like what wouldn't you take the risk? Yeah. So, and, and again, there's a, there's a variety of reasons. Uh, anyone else over this side of the room? Again, it's the technology. The tech, yeah. We'll go up to Maddie. Mine's FOMO. Yeah. And to be <laughs> honest, I think I only have an allocation there because I don't want to miss out if it goes Just to the moon. see what happens. Yeah, that's but right. I don't have more than 2% of my net worth in there because the problem with... So you got two million in there. <laughs> ah, that's I can risky. tell you this much. I wouldn't be standing here right now if that was the case. <laughs> so I think it's a we're so early, we just don't know. And I think we're a long way 
of using, say, Bitcoin in our everyday life as payment. Like Finder came out the other day and said, oh, we're giving our staff the option to be paid in Bitcoin. Where if I, I'm just not doing that because if it has a bad day, I'm getting paid less. Mm. If it has a great day, I'm balling it, but I'm not taking that risk. And I just think it's too early to tell. And I don't want my investing, if you want to call it that, at the whim of some eccentric billionaire's Twitter account. Like I'm just not going there. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. All right, we're back, everyone. Welcome back. <laughs> we, we've had a, a break here and we've got a question from Joe. Joe, if I can get you to read that, please. <laughs> it's not funny. It's serious business, Joe. Uh, is one month too soon to refinance? The property value has risen in the eight months since we started looking and it's been one month since settlement. And just a follow-up question. Uh, why? What's the rationale of uh, refinancing? Ah, oh, because we purchased with five percent. Right, and does that mean you think you can get a lower interest rate with a higher equity now that the property's grown in value? Correct. You John? purchased with five percent, did I hear? Correct. Okay, cool. Low deposit scheme or just five percent? Just five percent. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, generally speaking, the answer to that would be yes. Yeah, you want to minimum six months, basically, from when the bank did their valuation, right? So, that was March, uh, I believe, and you, you've settled it one month ago. So, I would be saying end of the year at the earliest to go back and get a bank valuation and see what that's looking like. Um, with a 5% deposit, it's a good chance you've got a higher interest rate, which is why you're looking to refinance as quick as possible. Uh, but yeah, we can't make it go any quicker. We've just got to bide our time. Um, the banks will just look at the comparables. And if it's too soon from when you've purchased it, they're just going to go on the purchase price. Uh, we've got a random question from a random man leaning over Joe. Yeah. Hello, I'm Reese. I'm security? Joe, no, no. Joe, <laughs> Joe's husband. Um, so the main reason we want to do it is the comparables have effectively gone up $200,000 right. since we purchased and the valuation. So there is actually a significant growth in the market. Yep. And when I say that, I'm talking about similar properties within three blocks built by the same builder and look identical. Right. So comparisons, you can't get much better. No. And and they've all settled and sold. Yes. Or are they still For in settlement? For one fifty to two hundred thousand higher. Yep. So they've settled. Yes. Sold. Yep. New owner. Sold. Yep. Titles gone through land titles. Yep. If you check on RP data, would you find them, or is that yep. still a bit too yeah, early? Yeah, they're all on all homes, and but we've done the comparisons, and they're yep. all there. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Look, it, it's worth a shot, um, but the. The first thing the valuer is going to do or the bank is is look at when you bought it. Um, and, yeah, they might take a risk and say, yeah, we'll compare it against these others that have, that have sold since. Um, but generally speaking, in my history, it needs to have been at least six months. But, yeah, why not give it a shot? Nothing to lose. I, yeah, that's cool. Um, sorry, we've got a, another question from a lady named Joe. 
the valuer came on Tuesday. We find out tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So okay, what are you asking is, me no, 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 for? No, no. Yeah. <laughs> so what we'll do, can you flick us a message tomorrow? Yeah. And let us know and I'll do a little thing at the end of the episode. Yeah. And, and just on that, it's an interesting one because we've got plenty of time tonight, is <laughs> the, the personality of the valuer can determine whether you can get equity or refinance really because I've had valuers that come in and grumpy, don't want to shake your hand, just ignore you. Others come in, yeah, what do you think it's worth, et cetera, et cetera, and just have a cup of tea with them. So, yeah, maybe if that valuer doesn't give you the love, um, get your broker to order a, another couple of vowels with different lenders and get them in. Okay, I've got a couple of questions. Was it through a mortgage broker or direct? Mortgage broker. So, John, and this is, I'm not doing a loaded question, like le- legitimately asking. Number one, you saying it needs to be at least six months, for example, is that with the same lender? So, why couldn't the broker send out I'd like if it was with CBA, send out St. George and refi it. Sure, the broker gets the claw back, yeah. but they're getting repaid anyway. Yeah, that would be my angle. Well, well, generally speaking, when they do valuations, they'll look at when that particular property last sold. And if, right. it's, if it's within that six-month period, they'll say, yeah, we'll just valid in at that purchase price. Yeah. And I would probably say, you know, you've started the process anyway. It's another three months will be your six months. The mm. property's not going to go down two hundred grand in ten minutes. I don't think. No, we went up that fast. But yeah. Um, so we've got a question. She actually couldn't make it tonight, and I actually had her question on the list uh, from Ina. Uh, do you want to read that for us, John? I will. What advice would you give someone who wants to take their business full time? Brackets was a side hustle to start with, but has grown over the last nine months, close brackets, and leave a secure, comfortable government job in Canberra. All right. Who's got a secure, comfortable government job? Who's getting carried out of that job feet first in a box? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Any jobs going? (laughs) All right. So, you're a government worker. You've got a juicy income. You've got a side hustle. Generally, Good super too. Sorry? Good super. Yeah, you get the employee yeah. match and all that stuff yeah. and it's awesome. Yeah. Hey, Jess, there's a dude with a suit out there. No, don't look, everyone. <laughs> don't look. Okay, so if you want, if you've got a side hustle and you've got a really good income and you want to transition from that side hustle, government employee will just use round numbers. I know all you here earn more than this, but you know, you earn a cheeky hundred grand, all right? And you're laughing at me saying that's cute. Uh, so you earn a hundred grand, okay? Your side hustle, you're building it up and you're like, oh, I'm generating 30 grand a year from this side hustle. It's something I want to do uh, permanently and move from the cushy government job. I think what you need to do first is work out how much it costs you to exist. So you need to know if I earn a hundred grand, I'm out of consumer debt, I've got you know some good cash behind me. So if you need 60 grand to live, your side hustle generates 30 grand, there's a hole in your life for another 30. So I'd save up a war chest because it's going to be rare to be running a side hustle in tandem and be earning 100 grand at the side hustle and 100 grand at your day job. So you need to look for trends in the side hustle that, okay, if I do step out and do this full time, I reckon I can double it pretty soon because I'll be, you know, giving it all my attention. So I'm 
there will come a time where you will have to put some risk in I'm quitting my job, no income, into this side hustle and I've got to get this up to my minimum living amount because I just need to survive to worry about anything else to start with. And you might have to use your own cash flow and war chest to fund your living expenses while you build up that side hustle income. Because I've never, you just need the boat as close to the dock as possible before you jump. It's like that, um, the Pirates of the Caribbean, where the boat's sinking, your government job's sinking, <laughs> and you step off onto the wharf. Like, if you jump too early, you'll end up in consumer debt because you'll need credit cards and all that stuff to live before. Um, yeah. But yeah, good right. cash buffer. And you'll have to take a risk. So I want to come in without a money outlook on it, right? You've got that side of it covered. You've um, you've told her what to do there. I think from any side hustle, the first thing you've got to ask yourself is, is it a passion of mine? And what would I rather do, my day job or my side hustle? If If I had a choice and money wasn't an issue, what would I go and do for free? And... Not podcasting because that's everyone can't do that. But well, they do though. <laughs> they do pretty much. So, and it's a good exercise for everyone to do because if we're bored in our day job uh, and we're not stimulated, what is it that is our passion that we'd like to to do in in this life? Because we only get one shot. So, if that side hustle is the passion, then I, I wouldn't be waiting another moment. Um, now, obviously, everyone's situation is different financially from the point of view of my running costs or the kids, no kids, other partner to talk through all of this with. But if it's a passion, all you're doing is getting stale in your government job. Yeah, but there's – I totally agree. <laughs> there's Thanks. a but coming. Of course. <laughs> a big one. Um, but there's still this thing. There's no guarantees – so you need to have the passion and you need to make sure you do have some type of war chest. Yeah, I, um, I said yeah, yeah. the money's covered, right? We've spoken the about covered. the money bit, okay. right? We've got the buffer in our life ready to go. Sure. But I'm coming in from, right, I love this side hustle. I just can't wait to get home from work and it's like kicking the foot in the backyard. Yeah. Right? So don't run from your government job, run to your Correct. side hustle. Yeah, and don't just think grass is going to be greener because business is hard. Mm. And if you start something on the side, particularly um, the side hustle or the podcast or whatever you want to do, and there's no passion, when it gets hard, you'll give up, like categorically. Yeah. And because we agreed with, you know, the side hustle I started the podcast, we are doing this for 12 months, whether we get one listener, an episode or three or 300 or 3,000, we are doing it for 12 months and it's going to get hard, it's going to suck. You just have to run to the passion, not from what you hate. I just want to jump in now. Attila, who was there, who was with his daughter and she wanted uh, some tickets for her birthday. So, he purchased Angela yes. a ticket and they both arrived. He actually let me know, John, that if you did want to start a side hustle and you did have a permanent government role, in some instances, you might be able to take 12 months leave without pay mm. and maybe give the side hustle a crack. So that was very yes. interesting. Uh, I'm sure there might be some rules and permissions if you need to um, to run that by your employer, 
particularly yes. if it's a conflicting role. But it just goes to show we don't know everything or don't think of everything, but we always are encouraged. And if we hear of any good things, yep. we'll let everyone know. Correct. Yeah. And I actually did that when I quit teaching. Right. I took 12 months leave without pay. They knew and I knew that we're probably going to never return again. But yeah, it, it is a safeguard mentally in your own mind to know that you could go back if, if the whole world changes for you. Yeah, totally. All right, let's get back into the recording. Well, we're going to end it right there. It has been an absolute pleasure. It has, John, hasn't it? I love Canberra. And it's been great. Thank you so much for uh, being with us here tonight, Canberra. Give yourself a round of applause. Yeah. There are still tickets. If you are listening to this, there are still tickets for Hobart this Friday night, if you listen live. Uh, Then Adelaide, then Perth, Melbourne. They're in a bit of a pickle at the moment. We are thinking of you in lockdown. And uh, what's happening there, we've been talking with the venue. If we have to extend it, we will, and we'll catch up with you in July. And I really am so thankful that you've, you know, copped up some cash and, and come along tonight. So thank you so much, everyone, and we'll see you soon. All right. Bye. bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 